Welcome back to season two of Radio Her, a weekly career podcast presented by the Women in Business Association at the University of Toronto Scarborough. Hello, my name is Freni Giovanni, and I'm currently a fourth year student at UTSC, majoring in health studies and double minoring in psychology and economics. I am the co-president of the Women in Business Association and also a co-host of our podcast. Hi, my name is Maisha Zahir, and I am a second-year student at the University of Toronto Scarborough and a finance and management specialist in the co-op stream. And I am also the director of events for the Women in Business Association. Joining us today is Amy Shen, a commercial accounts analyst at First National Financial LP. Amy grew up in Vancouver and moved to Toronto for university. She graduated with a bachelor's degree in business administration and management co-op from UTSC in 2019. During her undergrad studies, Amy was a project director at the marketing group and completed her co-op terms as a staff accountant at Campbell Lawless LLP and at the Ontario Treasury Board Secretariat. In this episode, we will be discussing how one can discover their passions and learn more about Amy's career after university at First National Financial. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today, and we are honored to have you as our guest for Season 2 of Radio Her. Hi, thank you so much. So, Amy, before we dive into the episode, we wanted to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself as well. So -hmm. what is one word you would use to describe yourself and why? I think the word that comes to mind is perseverance. Um, And I say this because my name in Chinese is actually one of the words um, in Chinese means perseverance. And that to me has been at some points in my life, like an aspirational kind of idea to just persevere with what you believe in and what you want to do. And more and more in my life, I'm trying to practice that and, you know, work towards what I want. And I think the whole thing is not giving up and believing in yourself. Thank you. Uh, We will be starting with the questions that we have prepared for you today, uh, starting with part one, which focuses on how you discovered your passion throughout your undergrad studies, maybe before and after that as well. The first question we have for you today is, we know that you completed your bachelor's in business administration during your undergrad. Did you always know that you wanted to continue your post-secondary education in business? Um, What triggered this decision? Yeah, so interestingly enough, I was never dead set on business or finance as a career. The decision was mainly made for me based on my applications to university. And, you know, I actually really enjoyed biology in high school, but because I didn't do chemistry or physics, I really couldn't apply for anything in the life science. It kind of filtered that out for me. But I I applied for anything else that struck my interest. And I thought that would be good for a future career, you know. So if I recall, I don't know, I I think I applied for journalism at SFU or even Sauter at UBC. I think I applied for some other program at Queens. But when I got into the business program at U of T, I decided why not? Like the business program is pretty good. They have co-op. And I wanted to kind of experience what it would be like to move out of my parents' house in Vancouver and kind of live on my own and start my own journey in Toronto. And so that's exactly what I did. 
And, you know, here I am six years later and I'm deep in the throes of corporate life. And the rest is history, I guess. But I think it's kind of scary how kids at 17 essentially are expected to choose their career path at such a young age. And that's something that for a lot of people, it's what you're throwing tens of thousands of dollars into for the next four, five, six years. And, you know, I recall peer networking events in my final year of university where all these first years came up to me and they were so worried. They're asking me questions like, oh, what if we don't graduate in four years? What if we don't like the specialization we choose? And I just want to make it clear, you know, obviously you apply for whatever interests you, um, but nothing is ever dead set, right? The notion that you go to school and learn the material and now you're doing this for the rest of your life, I think is highly distorted. Um, people change programs all the time. People change majors all the time. People change jobs all the time. I know of many people who have done so. So you're never stuck. You know, It's worked out for some people and it hasn't worked out for some people. And I think people find along the way what they're interested in and what they want to study or work in in the future. Absolutely. I totally agree to that. As someone um, who came from a science background, even I was very unsure about what I wanted to do because in high school I studied all of the science stuff and I always wanted to go to med school. But as I grew up, um, I realized it's too big of a commitment, both financial and even in terms of time. And I came into university wanting to study computer science. and That didn't work out for me. That didn't spark my interest. And here I am in management now. So I completely yeah. resonate to that. It's really sad how um, it's all structured to be a trial and error, especially when we're playing with so much time. And some of the very crucial years of our lives, early 20s, are so important. So I'm really excited to learn about how you found your passion. And I, I believe that our audience will have a lot of key takeaways from this episode. Moving on to our second question. Um, some students, like you said, have clear career goals, while others take some time to find what they really like. This could be through joining clubs, doing internships, taking courses, talking to different professors. How were you able to define your passion? So I think clubs are a really good way to meet people with a similar mindset, you know, get to know your peers or gain more exposure in kind of school life. And classes teach you more of the technical aspect of, you know, finance or accounting, whatever you do. But for me personally, I was able to filter what I liked and didn't like based on the co-ops and internships that I had done. I think that is so valuable. You know, it also depends, of course, on the capacity that the employer, to what extent they utilize their co-op or internship students to work for them. A lot of my positions, I was lucky enough that essentially I was doing what full-time employees were doing. And that's kind of how I knew whether it was something I liked or not. But I think even if you weren't working to the same extent as a full-time employee, you know, you have the benefit of working amongst them. You get an idea of what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. You may interact with them in a meaningful way, assisting them on certain projects. I recall, so my specialist in first year was accounting. So I graduated with a specialist in finance, but in first year, I went in with the mindset that I was going to do accounting. And I landed uh, at co-op at an accounting firm, and that was during tax season. And it was because of that four-month job that I decided accounting was just not for me. And I would not further pursue a career in accounting. 
it just kind of filtered out that stream for me. And again, we're kind of going back to that idea that, you know, if you don't like something, then you have the opportunity to change and, and, and explore something new. And with the program that I was in, I was lucky enough that it's so easy to switch between specialists and, you know, find other fields to do my next co-op job in. I kind of wiggled my way through different positions in different capacities to find what I really like. Because of the fact that when you're working at a co-op or an internship, you're actually doing the work, right, that you would be doing. So um, I think that's kind of the best way to know whether you enjoy a certain field or not. Thank you so much for your answer. Um, This is actually one of the prime reasons why UTSC, alongside all the other things that's great about it, stands out because of uh, the opportunity we have to pursue co-ops. In a way, we definitely get practical experience, but what's also important is that we get to shadow senior industry professionals in the industry that we're looking at for the future. Yeah, it's great too, because even throughout that process, you're able to kind of talk to, you know, whoever it is, your manager, your senior manager, and kind of hear their journey of how they got to where they are, right? And then maybe compare it to yourself. Obviously, you can forge your own path, but it's like they're your mentor as well in a way, right? Definitely. This is something um, no amount of academic knowledge can really tell you, because Mm -hmm. um, it's completely possible that you're doing great at accounting, but maybe the work isn't for you. And you'll only be able to find out once you talk to more people in the field. And there's no better way to be exposed to that than working in the field. Moving on to our third and very last question in this section. How did you prepare yourself to enter the corporate world and secure a career right after university? Was the job searching process easy or difficult? Oh, I won't lie. It was a very stressful time for me, and I'm sure all students can relate that job seeking is definitely no joke. In a way, I I feel like it's almost even more stressful than school because, you know, with school, your fate is mainly in your own hands to some extent, right? If you do study and do well, you kind of have an idea of the kind of mark you will get. But with job seeking, there is just so much mixed information out there, and so much of it is based on luck. For me, I found that I was getting a lot of different information on what to do and what not to do in terms of uh, my resume, networking, and for my interview skills. So for, for that reason, I don't want to get into specifics about what is right or, or wrong for, for job seeking. I'm no career coach. But what I can say is that based on my experience job seeking for full time, my biggest piece of advice is to start early, as early as you can, because some programs out there, especially for the bigger companies, I know for um, accounting firms like the big four or certain rotational programs at the banks, they start hiring a year before the start date. So I say if you're ending your third year or just starting your fourth year, it's time to start thinking about applying and and looking at what's out there because you don't want to miss out on any uh, on any deadlines or or slack on any opportunities, right? And I still remember getting that callback for, you know, the job acceptance and I was just so relieved. I was like, "Oh my goodness, finally. I've secured a position. I can 
like, you know, focus on my final exams now, focus on just finishing the rest of my de degree. And I was reading the job contract and I realized that like my employment was dependent on this licensing course that I needed to pass in order to work there. So those last few weeks, I still remember I was like studying for that licensing exam the same time I was studying for finals. And it was just it was so hectic and stressful, but but definitely worth it. Yeah, for sure. So again, I think start early as, as early as you can. And even if you're not getting positions, at least you're getting experience going to interviews. You're getting experience writing up cover letters. You're getting experience, you know, drafting up res resumes that are targeted towards the positions. Definitely agree to that. And I think that's some very valuable piece of advice that a lot of people don't know that job openings um, in the biggest companies open up a year prior to when the job is um, yet to start. So um, definitely all our third year and fourth year listeners should um, start thinking about applying and the whole process. Yeah. And I, I think part of that mindset of, oh, like, I don't need to start now is, I guess, because like, if you're applying for co-op positions, it's a lot shorter of a time frame that they're hiring, right? Because, you know, um, you're, you're in co-op one term, and then, then the next term, you're back in school, and then you're seeking for co-op the next term, right? So it's like kind of like a four month gap in between that you have to apply. But for full time, it's different, right? It's, it's, you're, you don't just, you're not just limited to that four month gap to find your next position. Um, yeah, you want to start early, early is best. Thank you, Amy. We'll now be moving on to the second part of questions, which is based on your career after university. The first question that I have for you here is, what were some of your learning objectives or professional development goals when you first started your career at First Financial LP? Oh, I was so excited to get started on that role. I knew I needed to learn as much as I could about the real estate lending process. I just wanted to dip my feet into that financing sector, you know, understanding to what capacity a bank or financial institution would be willing to take on risk and knowing how to comply with all the internal policies and procedures that they had in place. A big part of it was getting into the flow of work. With any job, there is always a learning curve. There are technical learning curves to do with the software that a company uses, as well as fundamental analysis learning curves, how to do your job well, why you're doing your job. Um, and for personal development, you know, I, I knew that this role obviously was not for me to work at permanently. There needed to be career growth and potential for movement. That's very important to me. So in a way, I saw that position as a means to hone my existing soft skills while developing the technical knowledge needed to propel myself to the next step up. And that's kind of exactly what I did when I moved from my previous position in the residential side of the business to now I'm in the commercial side of the company. I definitely agree. It can take a few weeks to settle into the job and, you know, get accustomed to the different softwares that they're using as well as the work culture. So this leads into my next question, which is, what was the work culture like at First National Financial and how did you become familiar with the position? Oh, work culture is great. Everyone is super friendly and willing to help. I think that's the case for, you know, a lot, a lot of companies, especially if you're just starting out. 
Um, and even as a new grad, like they all know to help you out and and um, are willing to kind of take you under their wing. It's, um, you know, typical white collar environment. I'm sure many business positions are dressed as business casual and you're sitting in office setting out well-worded emails. Um, <laughs> I do miss work life to some extent uh, The with the pandemic not requiring in-office work anymore. You know, I miss, you know, coffee runs with coworkers, lunches together, midday cubicle visits just to talk about work or nothing at all even. Um, the biggest thing I learned is always ask for help when you need it or are unclear about something. I know it sounds so intuitive or it's so um, simple, I guess. But I mean, for me, I used to be really hesitant about asking questions because I didn't want to bother others or seem unknowledgeable about my job or incompetent at all. But I, I think over the years now, my mindset has kind of changed, right? You're asking questions. It's seen as a proof that someone is actually listening, analyzing and processing the information. And that's how you would be having you know, follow-up inquiries about a certain process or a certain way that things are done. Think about when you're talking to a blank wall or someone who's not not listening, right? They're just going to be nodding their head, just kind of sitting there absorbing the information. Whereas if you're asking questions, it shows that you're engaged and you're willing to learn and you're coming in with a good attitude. I would just say, just, just try to not ask the same question twice. <laughs> um, ask questions, but just when you get the answer to them, make sure that you um, you lock that into your head and just try not to ask the same question twice. Thank you. I definitely agree. When you're starting a new position or entering a new industry, you can't know everything. So it's really important to ask those important questions so that you're able to learn well and also do well in your job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then moving on to the next question. What are some of your day-to-day -day responsibilities as a commercial accounts analyst? Yeah, this is an interesting question. I was always interested to move from the residential side to the commercial side of the business. And, you know, with commercial deals, they're so much larger and you're dealing with a lot more money and um, it's more involvement with every single client or borrower or file. So... Everything is just more intricate in every way. Like what we used to have one person from each team do, the commercial department now has a whole team to process. You know, I'm, I'm still learning things every day, new things about the industry, about why certain processes are in place. It's definitely a learn on the job type of position. Um, there would be no way for me to ever sit down with a pen and pencil and make notes on every aspect of what I do and why I do it. It's just too broad. But you know, that's why I like it, though. It keeps things interesting on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, a lot of it is monitoring my email and correspondence between our investors or our borrowers and other departments that we coordinate. And um, we also have, you know, a software that we use, which has uh, all of our loans on it and another tracking kind of site. I feel like most companies have, um, you know, kind of some, some kind of software that tracks their workflow. Um, it's, it's a lot of just working in between all, all like these three platforms, your email, that um, software and that like tracking website to know where you are in terms of the progress of each of your loans and also <clears throat> coordinating with other teams. Thank you. That's going to be really helpful for students that are looking to work at First National Financial in the commercial area. So thank you so much for sharing that. 
My next question here is, what are some challenges that you face in your current role and how do you overcome them? Yeah, so there sometimes is dissonance between teams, right? As we struggle to streamline communication, um, you know, with our business model, we have investors on one side and the borrower on the other side, and we're in the middle. So how do we best facilitate reporting in a way that doesn't step on each other's toes, right? The department as a whole is working towards the same goal, but each team within the department, they have their own priorities. So sometimes it's working out how we can most effectively complete a task. And I think transparency is key, right? Letting each other know why a certain request is a rush or why something is taking so long or why you won't stop bugging them to complete something. It's it's more to facilitate communication and tamp down any potential tension. And I think there comes a point where you realize, you know, everyone that you're emailing, or for me, at least I was, I used to be nervous, you know, sending out emails because in my head, I was thinking, oh, like I'm emailing, you know, someone who's super professional in the industry, and they're gonna call me out on something that I'm doing wrong, or they're gonna, you know, catch some error in my email. But if you think about it, everyone is kind of just another worker, right? Everyone else is kind of maybe me, but in another company or my position, but in another department. And it's just knowing how to communicate well with people and knowing how to be clear about um, what you want and being very professional, essentially, um, with your communication or writing style. That's, that's, That's very important. Thank you. Definitely agree when working with a large team and also working with different partners and different clients, communication is very key so that you were all able to meet a common goal. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that communication is a skill that's required for you to solve some of your day-to-day challenges. So moving on to my next question, which is, what do you think are some other skills that a business grad entering the corporate finance industry must have? Uh, Attention to detail, for sure. Um, Especially if you're working with large numbers, that is key. Just always double checking the numbers before you're sending out any kind of correspondence, before you're sending out any kind of final report, just always double check because, you know, um, one decimal place difference will make a very big difference, um, especially if you're working with large numbers. So yeah, that would be first, attention to detail. Um, second would be uh, just to have an open mind, right? You're there to learn new things. Even if you've been in the industry for a few years, you're still learning new things every day. Um, being open to take uh, taking constructive criticism, taking on more responsibility, essentially be a sponge and soak everything in and um, yeah, have an open mind. And third... I kind of talked about this already, but don't be afraid to ask questions. Again, I can't stress how important it is to ask questions. If you're unclear about something, if you want clarification on something, no one is going to think lesser of you for asking questions, as long as you don't ask the same question twice. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing. I really like the way how you said that, you know, be a sponge and soak everything in. I think that's really important, especially when you're entering the corporate industry, because There's so much to develop and there's so much to learn. Oh, yeah, for sure. Moving on to the next part 
uh, of our questions, which also happens to be our favorite part, um, <laughs> is the rapid fire questions. First, yep. The first question we have for you is what hobbies help you manage stress? Um, working out. I like listening to music and cooking. Those are my three. Love that answer. Um, I resonate to the working out bit myself as well. Moving on to the next question. What can we usually find you doing during your breaks? So I'm assuming you mean breaks during work. And my answer to that would be probably eating. <laughs> um, I think with the pandemic and everyone's working from home, it's just so easy. I'm like going from my workstation to the kitchen and back and then going back and back and forth. <laughs> Anytime I'm bored, I'm like, what else can I eat in my fridge? <laughs> it's not <laughs> the best, but you know, I love food. We've all been there. Um, walking to the fridge in hope of something magically appearing. <laughs> We've all been there. Moving on to our next question. What are your favorite pieces amongst workwear in your closet? Oh, well, in general, I like a good straight leg pant, I think, is, is my go-to. A good straight leg pant with maybe an oversized blazer and some little booties for the winter. Haven't been able to you know, get much use out of my workwear in my closet this past year. But, you know, some of the places I like to shop would be Aritzia, Zara, Dynamite, Open Forge. If any girls out there are looking for some stores to buy good workwear, I would suggest any of those. Love that answer. I personally love Aritzia and Zara as well. Mm -hmm. Moving on to our second last question here. What is your go-to food stop in... Toronto. I knew I could have gone two ways with this. One way would be, you know, what's a like a fan, like a nice environment, fancy restaurant place. Another would be what's just honestly just good, good yummy food. And I would just tell you that the best like home down to earth home food that I love is this Korean restaurant on Floor West. Um, in Koreatown called, it's literally called Yummy Korean Food Restaurant. Love that place. I'm not even, I'm not Korean, but that restaurant has such good food and it. it's like, like one of those family run kind of hole in the wall businesses. The walls are like this neon green, but the food there is just amazing. We'll definitely check that place out. Sounds super good. Moving on to our very last but not the least question in this section is what is one place that uh, you would like to travel to after the pandemic? Definitely Greece, Greece or Japan, for sure, for sure. I think Japan is such a, like a, they have such a unique culture there. Um, and it, like the city is just so big. And also Greece is just gorgeous. And I, I can't wait for everything to end so I can finally travel again. Greece is absolutely stunning. Um, I hope that you can go visit Greece or Japan or both um, sometime very soon. Thank you for hanging in with us, Amy. We're now moving on to the very few questions that we have for you, which is the conclusion question. So starting off, what is one advice you would give to your first yourself? I would just tell myself, you know, go with the flow and fake it until you make it, essentially. And also go to more office hours. The professors I find in the, our program are always willing to help and they're so 
understanding of the student struggle and also to attend management events. You know, the more that you attend, the more people that you meet and, you know, you'll make some really good friends out of out of attending those events. Thank you. That would be really helpful for a first year student. Mm-hmm. The second question we have for you here is, how did you define success and how has it changed over time? What has been your proudest accomplishment in your career so far? So I think success, how I define it, is doing well at something you take an interest in. Doing well and being able to move up in that industry. I think there is such a fixation on, oh, you have to work in what you're passionate about. and um, you know, people tend to romanticize this idea of being so in love with what you're doing, which is great if you are, don't get me wrong. It's great if you are, but you know, I I don't think it's necessary or realistic for a lot of people to do what they're passionate about. You know, the thought of um, only working in what you're passionate about may leave some people feeling at a loss when they take a moment to think and realize that what they're working in is not actually their passion. I say instead, um, we should have the idea of work in whatever you take an interest in, you know, keyword interest. You know, for me, I wouldn't say my passion is commercial real estate lending. Like my passion is, I don't know, like traveling. My passion is trying new foods. Um, But I take an interest in what I do. I find the industry very, very interesting. And, you know, I'm, as I mentioned before, I'm learning more new things every day on the job so yeah I think that's what success is it's you know being able to do some do well at something that you take an interest in I think my proudest accomplishment so far is honestly is just um being able to move up in the company that I work for it's kind of a proof for me of the progression of where I started from, you know, doing these co-ops and then I entered full-time like right out of university at this company and now I've moved up and it's it's kind of a oh, like I can do this. I I got promoted, so what's next in store for me? Yeah. I definitely agree. You know, our passions can change over time, so it's really important to you know be open to trying out different things and seeing what is working best for you. And I definitely agree that seeing yourself progress is definitely a sign of success. So thank you so much for sharing and we wish you all the best in your endeavors. Oh, thank you. And then the last question that we have for you here today is, what do you look forward to accomplishing and learning in the next few years of your professional career? I am just so excited to see where this takes me. I feel like, you know, with my current role, there are a lot of decent exit opportunities I can move into origination, into fundings, renewal, or I could just make the jump to uh, like a different commercial real estate investment firm. I know for sure I will be just keeping my options open and looking out for any opportunities that come my way. Thank you. And once again, we wish you all the best in your endeavors and good luck for um, everything that you undertake. Oh, thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for being with us today, Amy. It was a pleasure having you on our podcast. It was great um, to be here and record with you guys. I've I've told you before, and I'm going to say it again now. I think what you guys are doing is, is so amazing, and it's a very valuable resource for, for all of the women in business out there. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for all your valuable advices and sharing your experiences with us. Um, I already know um, how helpful it is going to be 
for all our audience because I personally just got so much value out of it chatting with you today. So yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear. And of course, anytime. Before we end this episode, I would like to make a quick announcement on behalf of the Master of Accounting and Finance program at UTSC. Management students are invited to join the Master of Accounting and Finance staff and alumni for the upcoming MACFIN information session. Professor Lisa Harvey and Abdel Kulamala will share their perspectives on the MACFIN program from a faculty and student perspective. This event is taking place on the upcoming Thursday, the 17th February from 5 to 6 p.m. via Zoom. The registration link is added to the show notes below. Did you know that every domestic applicant is automatically considered for a merit-based MACFIN entrance scholarship of up to $10,000? As well, full-time students registered in the MACFIN program could also qualify for the MACFIN Financial Needs Scholarship of up to $15,000 in financial aid. You can learn more by using the link provided in the show notes below. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you find this episode and our podcast motivating and inspiring, feel free to share it with a friend or share it on your Instagram stories. This would be really helpful for us in getting more listeners. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on our social media platforms, which are linked in the show notes below, to stay updated on our upcoming episodes. See you next week on another episode of Radio Her. Thank you.